Tuesday, March 9th, and we are back on another edition of Kentucky Politics Weekly. I'm your host, as always, Trey Watson, and I'm joined by Stephanie Steitzer-Holscher. Stephanie, how are you doing? Doing well, loving the weather. Yes, we had a nice time yesterday among among our pod with all the kiddos <laughs> running around in the, in the, uh, in the yard. Trashing over, your yard. Yeah, yep. over, over at the Watson, the Watson household, uh, <laughs> trashing the yard, trash the basement a little bit. It's all good. Uh <laughs> And then I then I ended with Stephanie's children screaming, "We don't want to go home." <laughs> yes, they would have slept in Trey's basement. They <laughs> um, but let's get to the news here. Uh, second half of the podcast, we're going to talk to uh, uh, Kate Mueller, who is a longtime Politico, uh, highly recommended to be on the program by both Stephanie and friend of the show Matt Irwin. We're going to talk East Kentucky issues. Both uh she's gonna give us some some charities that you can uh donate to if you want to help uh, with the flooding down there and also talk about kind of some of the systemic issues what can be done to help east kentucky and i will go on my usual rant about uh i-66 is the only hope and we got to build that damn road um but let's get to i guess let's start national stephanie um covid19 uh, relief bill i think is it passing the house today is that right yes had to yes, go back over this afternoon yeah, so yep. I'm assuming there'll be no problems. You know, it it, it would have had an easier time passing the Senate, except for Pelosi's got a bunch on the left who who wouldn't go along with some of the changes that that you know were out there. It's 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 going to be interesting. I think this this bill passing Stephanie is going to be an interesting uh, lesson to be learned as far as what to watch for for the for the next two years with this with this specific Congress, with the Senate dynamic the way that it is, a razor-thin majority in the House for the Democrats, but with a kind of split between the party of you got some centrist Democrats and you've then you got the the left who have to be dealt with. It's going to be interesting to see because the Senate, you're going to have to go back to the middle to get something to pass. And how many times can they keep going the well and getting a bill that goes the center to get through the Senate, but that the liberals on the far left will be okay with in the House? It's, It's going to be... It's going to be interesting. I think you're going to see more than a few times that Biden is going to have to basically go to Republicans in the House to get the votes that he needs. And Pelosi will have to as well to get the votes they need to, to overcome vote losses on the left. It's going to be it's going to be an interesting dynamic to watch over the next couple of years in the in, in the Congress. Yeah, I mean, I, to some extent, though, this this bill is a bit of a, a, an outlier. I mean, there was just such broad public support for this. Um, that it that it made this a little bit easier than I think you're going to see for things like, you know, Medicare voting for all. and Medicare <laughs> and, and yeah, but, um, but, but, immigration but think, reform. But I think the fact that it is it is so broadly popular and they still had this much difficulty getting to where they needed to be on it to get it through and kind of what the final decision was on it. You know, I, I think that that's that's the I think that that it, it's a very telling lesson for and I, and I hope I hope the White House. Draw and 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 Speaker Pelosi draw the right lesson from from this that hey the the the, the ground is going to be in the middle you're not going to be able to go left if you go left things aren't going to pass the Senate yeah yeah uh, but let's talk about the bill fourteen hundred dollar checks uh, capped at one hundred fifty k for married couples uh, and plus an extra fourteen hundred per dependent child uh da, 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 da. i'm going through the list i'm with the courier journal looking through their their kind of summary 300 per week and unemployment benefit uh bump stays in until september that was one of the big sticking points democrats wanted it to 400 uh then there was a there was a competing republican bill that would have dropped it to 300 
Uh, I think the 400 would have been through August. The 300 would have been through like June and they ended up coming to an agreement that would go to the lower number, but extend to September. So that's kind of how they, how they got the mustard to get that one through. A huge bump in um, food rental and childcare assistance. And this, this may have a big impact in Kentucky. Well, Uh, well, before we move to that though, uh, by the way, another big part of the unemployment benefits is the first, uh, unlike before the first 10,200 of it is tax-free. Right. Right. Which, which, which is a considerable, bump on the back end of that number. But anyway, on the child tax credit you were talking about. I mean, this could be a big bump for Kentucky, for a poor state like Kentucky. Um, I think there's going to be something along the lines of $5 billion worth of of, uh, aid and assistance in various forms to individuals in Kentucky, plus um, Kentucky state government, cities and counties will get $4.2 billion combined to help um, their budgets and um, can money can be used for infrastructure. It cannot be used to pay for tax cuts or uh, pension funds. Um, and I think that's a good compromise. Yeah, because I, you know, I think Senator McConnell's point through this whole thing is our job is to not bail you out for past mistakes. Our, yep. our, our job is to get you back to even Stephen before COVID. If you had problems, systemic problems with your state government and your state budget before COVID, we're not here to, to allow you to use this money to fix those systemic problems. We're just here to get you back to even. Well, and the, because the purpose, the, the thing of it is, is the, the, the purpose for this bill is to, to give a, a huge shot, a huge boost to the economy, specifically by way of, of low-income, middle-income people. And, um, you know, state governments, local governments, um, they have had to lay people off and furlough people and not um, go through with projects and, and new construction that they would have. So, so that um, aid to state government people may scoff at, but that creates jobs um, and it puts money in the economy as well. Education-wise, Kentucky uh, receiving over $2.1 billion direct investment in K-12 schools, $450 million for higher ed, $766 million for childcare-related assistance, about $17.8 million for Head Start. Um, you know, the one issue I've got with that is a lot of the money that was that was budgeted before has not been spent yet. You know, we've been through that before on the podcast about uh, the, the looking at the dashboards on, on how much money has been appropriated, how much money has actually been spent. There's a lot of money that hadn't been spent. You know, I'm interested to see what they end up doing with with that money. Um, you know, I, I've I've long said that I, I think investment in uh, uh, HVAC is should have been specifically earmarked in this because that's that's something yes. that can that can go a long way to overcome not only issues you know we we still see schools in Kentucky uh, every year have to take week long breaks because of flu outbreaks much less COVID you know you you could cut down on that uh, along with COVID uh, by well by not only that. Uh, not only that, but uh, schools that have to shut down because yep. it gets too he, he, hot he and they cold. can't or gets too cold. And, and, that, and that would also allow us to follow one of my favorite bills that our, our friend Damon Thayer has proposed year after year. That would allow us to, yes. to, take, to take another look at, at recalibrating start and beginning a uh, beginning and end of, of school years. You know, I, I grew up in Virginia where you didn't you started after uh, Labor Day and ended before Memorial Day. And, uh, you know. I, I think that that would be good to uh, to uh, to do if we could we could make that happen. Um, <laughs> Completely support that. I've long I've long been vocal. In fact, that's probably the only thing I support. That um, well, no, that's not true. Senator Thayer has been a good friend of um, criminal justice reform, but outside of justice reform, that bill is probably probably it. But um, 
Yeah, uh, I think, you know, what's going to be interesting, did that kind of get us through the list of what's uh, in it? Uh, yeah, I think more or less. Expanded healthcare um, assistance, you know, the healthcare expansion. Mi- minimum wage was not in there, which I think is appropriate. Uh, you know, that's that's a much broader policy. It doesn't need to be rolled up in in a package specifically targeted at COVID relief. There's no reason for minimum wage to have been in there. Uh, other than it's a popular program, you know, it's it's the old the old government trick. It's a popular program. Uh, or we have a popular bill. Let's tag something controversial into it uh-huh. so we can hopefully sneak it through. Uh, you know, I'm glad I'm glad that got stripped through and and didn't risk torpedoing the whole package. By yeah, trying, trying to sneak that in. I mean, I think this is going to be it's going to be interesting and it's going to take a while um, to see. Uh, you know, I mean, the Biden administration they're really proud of this. Um, there is a huge belief that this is going, this is like the biggest anti-poverty effort um, we've undertaken in this country in decades. And it will be interesting in a poor state like Kentucky and in a state um, where, you know, Kentucky youth advocates, Terry Brooks crew, you know, they consistently show Kentucky uh, as, as a really detrimental place to be if you're a kid. Um, high rates of, of abuse and um, child fatality deaths, um, you know, malnutrition, uh, a lot of poor health outcomes. Uh, and it will be interesting to see, you know, what, uh, what it looks like in, in a year, two years, you know, when we look back and we study uh, what this shot in the arm did, things like expanding the tax, the child tax credit, uh, to see what kind of an impact that has and, and get kind of a gauge on whether that's something we should, you know, continue to to focus on as a way to address um, some of our systemic issues. By the way, child tax credit, Republican initiative. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Moving off the federal level, I guess the one other federal thing to get to, I think will be a running theme of a couple of stories in this uh, dogs. Uh, (laughs) Joe Biden's German shepherds had to be returned to Delaware because they uh, bit security guards, at the white house. So just kind of, kind of entertaining. A lot of deal, a lot of, a lot was made about the first, uh, first uh pound dogs pound puppies ever to, to be in the white house so they're going back to delaware because had a little, little run in with the uh with the security at the uh at the white house so uh they'll be i guess living out their days on the fa- at the family home in wilmington yeah i mean it's a german shepherd that's that's kind of kind of their thing well you know at all, all, all dogs can be good if they're raised right stephanie mm-hmm. <laughs> um I guess let's, let's move on. Let's start with the uh, with the, with the beer por- portion of, of the uh, state legislative news, Stephanie. Couple <laughs> couple of good pieces of news. Uh, the uh, the beer bill passed. Which so for those of you who don't know, there is still something in this country that's been in place since uh, the end of prohibition called the three tier system. Uh, alcohol producers must sell to a wholesaler, and the wholesaler must sell to the retailer. Uh, and none of the three, at least in theory, are supposed to uh, have financial investment in each other. Uh, the three-tier system is slowly eroding away. It won't be around much longer. Um, but yet another kind of uh, nail in its coffin was passed in the General Assembly, which I think is a good thing, allowing small uh, breweries and brew pubs underneath a certain barrel limit. I forget what barrel limit it is. It's 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 fairly high. Uh, you know, it's big enough to where to where if you're a good sized brew pub, you can take advantage of it. But if you're, you know, if you're a mid sized brewery, you're not going to be able to, uh, which is which is where it needs to be. But it, it allows uh, certain sized breweries to self distribute. Where you know, right now, there's just no financial incentive for like Kentucky Eagle to take Jarfly 
uh, brewery from down in Somerset and, and to blow it up into a big brand and to get, get it taps at a whole bunch of different bars and stuff. This allows, you know, literally you can just basically throw kegs in the back of your truck and run around whatever town you're in and try to sell your, try to sell your beer to, to, to bars and restaurants, uh, and, and try to, if, if you're bottling or canning, try to sell it to a, to a store to get it on shelves. It, it's going to allow a lot of competition. The, the wholesalers were for it. Uh, the breweries were for it. So uh, good news there. Uh, and then there's a new lawsuit filed uh, in the, uh, in Franklin circuit court. Uh, I'm looking at the names. It's a uh, uh, Goodwood brewing, which used to be uh, what they used to be called. Bluegrass bluegrass brewing company it was the former name. Now they're Goodwood. Um, so Goodwood, uh, Dundee Tavern in Louisville, and Trendies in Georgetown uh, filed a lawsuit Monday. Sorry, in Scott Circuit Court is where they, where they filed it, uh, calling for a temporary and permanent injunction against Bashir's pandemic executive orders and for Bashir to be barred from issuing new coronavirus-related orders in accordance with the three bills that passed the General Assembly. Uh, so they're trying to uh, to get back some more control. You know, the, the, the bar and restaurant industry has been very frustrated. I know I follow Stacy Roof from the Kentucky Restaurant Association on Twitter. And, you know, it's very clear from her tweets. And I know from talking to some people who talked to Stacy that, you know, they have been, uh, they have not been kept in the loop and not been consulted on a lot of the bar and restaurant related orders that have been put out, which I, I think is a shame on Governor Bashir's part. He, he should have had these people involved in the conversation. They weren't even consulted. My saying is they weren't consulted when he came up with a $10,000 per, per business uh, relief fund. Uh, like how, why, why are you going to do a relief fund and not talk to the industry you're trying to relieve? It makes no sense. Um, so, you know, this, but I think this lawsuit also kind of hinges upon uh, those three bills being uh, either kind of re reestablished or uh, the general assembly prevailing over the governor in court. Uh, so we'll, we'll just, I just love it when a, um, when a brewery, um, you know, makes it easy for me to uh, check one off the list that I don't have to buy. Thank you. Goodwood. Yeah, I mean their beer's okay. I I, I I stand by if 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 I were to begin to shop based on uh, other actions or political beliefs of owners or employees of breweries, I would I, I just I don't have time in my day or the energy to to shop based on political beliefs. I, it helps me. It just helps me because I get overwhelmed by all the choices now of good craft beer and it's like oh okay i've got three choices i'm not going to pick those guys because i know where they are um, well you're and- you're 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 a liberal that's most of the brewers so you know as a conservative i'd have to i'd have to to really narrow my uh my scope but i mean even even beyond that just mm-hmm. I, if, if you if you make a product that i want to purchase that it's a good product i'm gonna buy it i don't care what your what your political beliefs are. i don't care who you, you donate money to if you've made a product that that i deem worthy of my of my dollars I'm gonna buy it regardless of your belief because I'm buying your product. I'm not buying your 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 politics, but that's just me. Um, a, lo- a lot of bills flowing through. Obviously, we're we're, we're winding down towards session. I'm gonna kind of put a pin in budget discussion for the minute, minute Stephanie, just because it's you know we're they're in conference committee now, kind of rolling through it, um, and you know what they're saying now might be in it, may or may not be in it when the actually bill the actual bill comes out. So I'm gonna kind of reserve judgment on anything budget wise until we actually. The see. only thing I want to jump in and say is I, I I'd love for somebody to explain to me why I saw in in tweet that there's conversation being had about putting the film tax credits back in it. I mean. We looked at this. This cost. Uh, this this drained our coffers, uh, and and we we didn't get like any really good major um, film productions here. We paid people to 
or we gave people a tax break to come in and produce, you know, trash, basically. Uh, I'm sure there were some good small projects, but uh, I, yeah, just I can't. And there, can't. And there was bipartisan opposition to it. Yes. When, when, when it, when it was eliminated, so I, I'm not sure what the, what the horse trading is. It in was, there. it was, yeah, it was, it's, there's clearly something because it was, you know, it was it, a Jane Bashir prep project. And uh, I thought Republicans, you know, gleefully killed it um, uh, on principle, not just on the, that it was a Bashir thing, but I don't understand why they would be considering putting that back in. Well, and like I said, you know, there's there's discussion on things right now. What actually ends up staying yeah. or going in the budget? You know, I, you, you know, you, you, you start off with all the projects and then you scale back from from there. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll hold off on budget discussions until then. But there's a lot, a lot of other pieces of legislation going through. I know, Stephanie, there's a couple that you specifically wanted to highlight. Yeah, um, very exciting. Um, the uh, Senate Bill 84, the Dignity Bill, has passed in um, both chambers. This is um, sponsored by uh, Senator Julie Rocky Adams, and um, it's the second iteration of a Dignity Bill, uh, one of which I was involved with in a couple of years ago. Basically, this establishes um, standards of care for pregnant incarcerated people and solitary confinement for pregnant women. Um, provide six week of postpartum care um, and make sure they uh, get connected to social workers to determine um, child care and develop a reunification and, and in many cases, a substance abuse treatment plan that may be necessary. Um, and you would think that this is something we really don't need to be talking about, but there was recently a big um, lawsuit settled in uh, the Franklin uh, County Jail over a woman who gave birth by herself in a cell, yeah. um, her her pleas for help were ignored. So this is not, uh, you know, um, a, a solution in search of a problem. Um, so, yay! Uh, thank you to all of the legislators who um, supported that. Um, other bills. Uh, what's what we have? Oh yeah, uh, Senate Bill Senate Bill two eleven. Not a favorite of mine, uh, progressives, uh, community folks upset, um, trying to get the action out. You know, this is the one that's, I like to call it the uh, snowflake police bill. I don't understand if you get into policing and you can't uh, handle a, an insult or a taunt, but this bill would um, make a person guilty of disorderly conduct with a penalty of up to 90 days uh, imprisonment. Uh, if a person, quote, accosts, insults, taunts, or challenges a law enforcement officer with offensive or derisive words or by gestures uh, or other physical contact, which if you make physical contact with a cop, I'm pretty sure that's already an, yeah, uh, a, it is. an unlawful offense. So um, this just, uh, you know, this is this is a bill that would really, I, I think, chill uh, have a chilling effect on protests. Um, I wouldn't personally go out and ever insult a cop, uh, but free speech is free speech. And I don't understand why we're trying to carve out you. You're constantly Trey talking about why, why are we carving out, you know, special exceptions. Uh, and to me, you know, I don't, I don't, if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. Uh, and you know, I understand the, the, I understand the point of the bill, but, you know, again, I'm a small government conservative um, and I believe, you know, a lot of things are already you just have, you have to have prosecutors willing to 
use their prosecutorial power to apply, properly apply legislation on the books. You know, I, I, so, so many of the problems that we have right now, as far as, uh, you know, f- whether it's free speech issues or, I mean, God, you can, you can go all the way down to like zoning issues. It's, 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 it's prosecutorial judgment and a willingness to enforce the laws that are currently on the books. And if we would just fully enforce all the laws that are already there, you know, uh, honestly, uh, gun control and immigration are two that come to mind. If you were to properly enforce all the laws that are currently on the books, you'd find the drive for new legislation to be greatly decreased because there are already laws in the books that handle a lot of the stuff that people are mad about. It's just they're not being the laws aren't being properly used and forced or prosecuted like, like right. they should be. So, I mean, it, it, it feels obvious that this is a bill that is, is aimed at giving um, police yet more tools uh, that they probably don't need to make arrests of protesters, um, which, you know, if we're supposed to be for peaceful protest, you know, if I if I call a cop a, a name or, or hurl an insult, I is that peaceful? I think so. Um, it's when it's when it gets physical. So, um, yeah, those are the bills that are on my radar. A um, couple others. Uh, one I know has come up House Bill 563. This is uh, some stuff got stripped out of it and it's become a uh, I, well, I think it was about open enrollment and now it's an, a more ominous measure. Um, it's has, uh, includes open enrollment for schools, uh, which would basically require that districts open themselves up to open enrollment. Interestingly, I, I didn't realize this previously, if you didn't live in the district, but you attended a school because of some sort of pre-existing open enrollment condition, your attendance at the school did not, was not allowed to be counted for that district when it comes in, in terms of, of generating money, like the, 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 the state, uh, the state dollars that you get, you couldn't count people who didn't live in the district, but came due to open enrollments that that doesn't affect the bottom line of your, of your dollars, which I, I didn't even realize that. Um, but this bill will also uh, includes at least some level of the educational opportunity a- accounts. Uh, however, none of the money in the educational opportunity accounts can be used for private schools. Uh, this bill kind of takes that whole philosophy where, you know, basically it was the, the charter school scholarship thing is, is, kind of what people were referring to it as um it uh it, it allows you to use the money i'm looking for the full list of the different ways that you, that you can use that money but it's basically for like vocational you know if, if you're doing like a dual credit class you can use the money for that if you're doing some sort of vocational training inside of your your uh, uh high school program you can use it for that uh you know different different fees and uh tutoring uh, you know, all, all, all those sorts of things, tutoring technology, dual course credit fees. Uh, you can use that money in, in for, for those things, but you cannot use it for a, for a private school scholarship, which was kind of what killed the original education opportunity uh, bill. So it'd be interesting to see as that one moves forward. That's house bill 563 sponsored by Chad McCoy over in Bardstown makes a fine wine. Um, but uh <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm looking at the other bills right now. I'm, I'm, I actually have had the orders of the day pull, pulled up just to see what is rolling through the General Assembly today. Uh, you got high school graduation requirements. I guess one thing we should talk about, Senate Bill 3, the uh, the bill to move the Ag Development Fund from the, uh, from the uh, uh, Governor's Office of Ag Policy to the Ag Department. Got vetoed by the governor. Um, I'm told probably expect Thursday or Friday a veto override. Uh, from both chambers, and then I would suspect probably a lawsuit coming up from the governor because we all know if Andy Bashir loves one thing, it's to uh, go hang out in Franklin Circuit Court. 
he uh he's got his own bench there maybe gotta <laughs> gotta 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 pad his mom made for him to sit on the on the uh on the pew in there uh <laughs> uh another bill I, I i didn't even realize this was coming through but i'm a huge fan of it uh created a new section krs chapter 120 to provide for automatic recount in in elections of constitutional officers members of congress and the members of the general assembly when the vote margin is 0.5 percent or less uh recall we had the whole problem with the dj johnson election that was decided by one vote and there was absolutely no legal process to recount the votes automatic or otherwise there was literally no legal process for governor's elections or for uh general assembly elections and it appeared based on this maybe members uh, uh congressional members as well there was no legal process, even if it was a one vote margin, to have just a good faith, hey, we're going to go back and check the numbers and make sure we got them right. There was no legal process to to allow that to happen. Uh, so, you know, with the state party, we had to go through the whole process. We had to find a couple of people who believed that their votes were not counted properly. They had to file a complaint to the to the General Assembly. The General Assembly had to form a committee. And it was this whole convoluted process when all we really wanted them to do was crack the machines open and double check the numbers make sure that the votes were, were right. Because when it's one vote, you could easily have a an absentee ballot that was counted incorrectly, a machine that retabulated tabulated wrong, you know, or there was something, there's a there's hundred different ways that you could you could pick up a vote. And I think when they actually went through it, uh, at the end of the day, uh, uh, Jim Glenn actually added a vote to his total. It was the, was the end result of, of the recount that was done. But but it, would ju- it just makes sense that if it's a one vote election, sure. this would yeah. be 0.5%. You know, it, it's it's just it's making sure we got it right. So that's that is a good bill. That is a, a good bill that would finally allow us to properly recount General Assembly uh, elections, which which previously didn't exist. So, you know, there's some good pieces of legislation going through the General Assembly. I know there's a bunch that Stephanie objects to. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, the, I think we forget these guys, A, are citizen legislators. B, a lot of stuff that gets filed. <laughs> but a, lot sure. that gets, a lot of stuff that gets filed is... They've had a constituent who's come to him and said, hey, you know, I'm a constituent, a lobbyist, here, lot of, there. <laughs> the majority of them are constituent. And, and they're saying, hey, we, we, we have a problem here that we've experienced locally. Can you can you do something about this for us? And sometimes it ends up as a bill. Sometimes it's just a committee hearing, uh, you know, but th- these guys, I think people people tend to get a little cynical, Stephanie. Uh, <laughs> these guys are Republican and Democrat are reacting to what they're seeing and hearing out there. Um, you know, if there's there's something that that you feel like it'd be oh, taken you're going to force me to you're going to force me to get back up onto my leadership uh, a soapbox again. Well, you know, I mean, it's it, it, it is what it is, you know, and, and but the, a lot of it has to do with we have such polarization in politics that you know, and, and it I don't even know that it's that it's that we're that polarized. It's that the middle doesn't speak up. You know, if, if you're in the middle and you're mad because you feel like the you know you're living a, in a Democrat district and you're left to center and you feel like your representatives doing doing crazy liberal things, it might be because you're not speaking up enough and they think that the only people in their district are these are, are far left. And if you're a moderate Republican and you live in a in a district where you feel like your representative is too far to the right, speak up because they're they're reacting to constituents and they're reacting to what what they're hearing, whether it's at the ballot box or on green slips at their office. And I feel like the middle a lot of times gets gets run over because they're quiet. They, it, the middle does exist. It's just they're doing other things and yeah. they don't have time to to yell and scream at a legislator about things. Very true. 
Uh, let's see here. Just kind of going through the news. Uh, Fayette County got three more uh, grades back in school this week. Sixth, ninth, and uh, and seniors are all back in in-person schooling. So I think uh, next week maybe they're supposed to be done and have everybody back in school uh, by the yeah by the fifteenth. So and then uh, isn't it spring break? Yeah, then we roll roll directly into spring break, which is you know we can have a conversation about the timing of that at another point. But it, it's at least good that they're. You know they're 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 making moves on it. They're back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just f- funny story that I like. Uh, there was a semi hauling chickens this morning in Fayette County. Uh, Stephanie and apparently it wrecked on North Broadway, and so uh, uh, rush hour traffic early in the morning was was delayed by uh, chickens crossing the road. <laughs> That's uh, great. Factual, not a joke, folks. Factual, not a joke. Uh. I guess the last thing I've got that I just was entertained by the roof dogs of Lexington. Apparently there's two dogs that have figured out how to get in the roof Lexington and just hang out up there. And people, I guess people have been calling like knock on the door or calling like the, the animal control or whatever, trying to think the dogs are in trouble. And so I had to put up a sign that said, if you see them up top, feel free to stop, but no need to knock. They're safe. And we're home because the dogs have figured out how to get in the roof and just hang out up there all day. So weird. <laughs> I don't think so your dog, weird. I don't think your dog's going to make it to the roof, Stephanie. No, my dog can barely get up onto a chair at this point. Exactly. <laughs> um, I think that's about all the state national news I've got. I, I wait, guess- wait, we got it. We can't, it can't be oh, today we, if we, we don't talk about uh, Papa we, John. Well, and, right. and we working and, very hard not to be a racist. And we forgot the Royals. I guess those are the Keep two. Keep working, Papa John. Yes, Keep Papa working. John gave a gave a bizarre interview where he said <laughs> he spent the last twenty two months trying to uh, exercise the uh, the N word from his vocabulary. And uh, the article I read on it makes a point of of saying that he did not he did not say in the interview whether or not he was <laughs> successful at getting the N word out of his vocabulary. He just said he's been trying for 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 twenty two months. God. Uh, just He's so weird. You got to keep your mouth shut, man. Like go back, go back <laughs> to your, to your TikToks about how Papa John's is not cooking good pizza. Um, and did I Papa guess, John's ever cook good pizza? No, no, they did not. They cook um, good cheap pizza for college kids. I'd even take mad mushroom or Domino's before, before the <laughs> Papa. Um, I guess the other thing that we got to talk about too is, is, is uh, the big Meghan Markle interview. Oh God. I mean, what a, tr- now I'll say this, like this, that whole interview, like we're all being played. This we're all, we're all. Absolutely. We're all that was t- the one thing I was going to say about this whole thing. Yeah. We're all t- tools in a larger fight among yep. a bunch of very, very rich and influential people. You know, she did not come off to me at all sincere. Um, I, I think some of the stuff that she was saying was probably accurate, but you know, her, her general outrage with things, I think she's, I think she's positioning herself to be kind of the like the 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 nouveau Diana and nouveau Diana and they want to be I mean they they are they are now like basically banished from yes. Britain and uh, they've lost the I think they lost their security um, I'm sure some of the money's dried up uh, I so think they, they, they is- still they still have their inheritance from Diana uh which which is oh some, they're not living on the streets i mean no. these kids are not going to be poor and, by any and, and they've now got a huge netflix deal and, and and that's what this is about i think what this is yeah. about is they they want to become not just nouveau diana they want to become um 
prince and princess or king and queen of the U.S., the celebrity. They, they need to build up the celebrity. And I think that, you know, coming out with this, um, with the charge about one of the royals, uh, you know, having concerns about what the, what the shade of skin color was going to be of this baby before it was born. I mean, I think that is, is such a, an obvious attempt to me. I don't know if it's true or not. It's probably true. I mean, it yeah, probably gonna, Charles. Do, do it I, looks do I think it looks like it was Charles. Do I think that conversation happened? Absolutely. Do I know what yeah. the intent or tenor of the conversation was? I I, I don't. Colonials are going to colonial, man. I mean, <laughs> well, also, if I mean, if you watch The Crown, you you just <laughs> I didn't have a great opinion of Charles to begin with. You watch The Crown, and man, you just you really hate Charles. Yeah, and so uh, it probably happened, but I think the the purpose of coming out and saying it, you know, at a time when when the U S is having it's this, this grand racial, you know, reckoning, you know, or positioning themselves to, um, you know, uh, get, get people's attention, get people's, uh, sympathy. I do sympathize with her. I, you know, the mental health stuff is serious. It's real. I'm glad she's talking about it. Um, but I can't but like, believe we just like, talked about it this long. You read some of the quotes that are coming out of Buckingham Palace about things that sh- that she said in reference to like treating the staff and, and everybody better. Like, and, and she made no attempt to deny any of any of that stuff. Like, like she she's made she made some pretty heinous quote. There's pretty heinous quotes coming out of her being like basically like it's not my job to talk nice to servants and like you know yeah that's the general tenor like. And that that lines up with stuff you you heard about her from before she she got married to him, like her general kind of working attitude on on Hollywood sets. And, you know, I I feel like this is all I mean, we're basically all involved in a soap opera here. You know, this is it's all going to be some sort of Netflix series. And and, you know, we're all we're we're all we're all involved in helping promote it and help. They want to be the new royal family, celebrity royal family of the U.S. I did see I did see a thing, you know, they're 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 uh, soon to be born child is is, would be eligible to to be president because they're going to be born in the U.S. and be a U.S. citizen. So, you know, uh, somebody 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 said, well, maybe maybe there's not actually a split. This is all a long con. You know, it's 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 the the, the revenge of King George (laughs) the third. They're going to have have member of the House of Windsor as the president someday. And steer steer us back uh. <laughs> <laughs> all right on that note let's uh we'll take a break and uh we'll get to talking about something a little bit more serious talk about the flooding in east kentucky uh long-running structural infrastructure issues and and different problems and you know some ideas on what can what we can start to do to to get east kentucky back up and running hint money and infrastructure but uh we'll go into more here in a minute you're listening to kentucky politics weekly all right we're back and uh we're going to talk east kentucky issues and some kind of general kentucky politics with uh kate mueller kate's a, a longtime veteran of uh political campaigns it's friends with stephanie friends with friends uh friends of the show uh matt Irwin, uh, which we'll, we'll say nothing but nice things about matt uh <laughs> Otherwise, he might come down here and murder me, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so, Kate, thanks, uh, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you all for having me. I'm, I'm pretty excited. It's, it's nice to, to have a good platform. Absolutely. And now, uh, where are you from originally? I'm from Martin County. I'm from way uh, over. Tomahawk to be way east. specific. All the way east. Share the state line with, with West Virginia. Wait. I always tell people the only time that there's no like going through Martin County. You're you're going to Martin County if you right. find yourself in Martin County. I, I think I think I've been there 
God, maybe two or three times. I know the first time I went there was when John McCain, after he had first wrapped up the nomination uh, in 2008 and the, the Democrat primary was still going on, he did like a tour of, of some more rural areas and they had they had a big John McCain event there at the courthouse right in the middle of Inez. And I had to go down there to staff that because I was working for the state party at the time. And I remember it was like June. No, it was it was really that. It was about May or so, but it was hot as hell. It was yeah. like it was like 90 degrees outside and that, that courthouse wasn't air conditioned. And everybody was wearing suits. Oh, God, it was miserable. <laughs> uh, yeah, and there's like three courthouses now. There was some some confusion about <clears throat> construction spending and government oversight. And now there's three courthouses, so you got your pick. Well, you had those that heyday of Steve Bashir where he's going around building courthouses for everybody. <laughs> there's... Just take your pick. We got no running water, but you got you got your choice of courthouse. You got courthouses. Know. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, um, let's kind of talk about East Kentucky issues. You know, right now there's just devastating flooding going on. I guess let's get started with you know somebody from East Kentucky. Um, our, our listener base is mostly kind of Frankfurt Politico, a lot of Louisville Lexington crowd. Um, before we get into anything else, where are some places you would suggest people going if they want to get involved and and help people in East Kentucky uh, recover from this flooding? That is a sweet question, and I appreciate y'all letting me plug a couple of organizations. Um, I made some calls this morning to, to make sure I was getting the ones just right. So I've got a short list. If you're listening to this, they're all easy to find online. Just Google them. Um, Appalachian Reach Out is ARO, and they are based in Martin County, and uh, they also serve Louisa, which is uh, uh, Lawrence County. Uh, Breathitt County Hunger Alliance. Christian Appalachian Project is always good. They are excellent stewards of money and, and always have been. Uh, Aspire Appalachia is a good one. And I also really want to plug uh, the local newspapers, especially like the, the uh, Mountain Citizen over in Inez in Martin County. They wouldn't have even gotten emergency funds there without the, without the folks at the Mountain Citizen. And, and local newspapers there are critical to, to getting the word out to people. I mean, sometimes that's the only news that folks read at all yeah um so local newspapers you know just subscribe to one and just read the digital copy once a week it doesn't cost much and it helps them tremendously because there's not a lot of revenue coming in on those especially if you're if you're from those areas and you live in little lexton now it's always good to subscribe you get the sure. obits get to see who got arrested you know and the, and the you know the your classmates yeah. <laughs> those those nefarious nefarious reasons you want to subscribe to it but it also really really helps a, a lot um and then the johnson county long-term recovery is another really one from pine school um but those that that list is those are all vetted they're well they're you know they're, they're trackable there's there's nothing sketchy going on with any of those guys yeah and, and give us papers. a general give us a general update uh, you, i know you went out there you you collected some supplies from folks in um lexington frankfurt area and and went out there um tell us what you saw where is it at now um tell us how bad the devastation is um what just it we feel like we're in another universe in lexington in so sure. many ways well i went home but like i said i went to martin county so my my knowledge is, is mostly what's going on there. So there were two floods in Martin County um, in Tomahawk, where I'm from, uh, there was a flash flood and it came in and it sat for a day or two and then, and then the waters left. Maybe not even two days, it came in and left. But up in the Northern part of the county is Warfield and there they got the backwaters. 
uh, and that water came in and it rose and it rose and it rose and it sat for days and that mud and sediment and a lot of coal sediment, which is real toxic. And it just sat and it completely, you know, you think about floor getting in the ground level of your house, but this was up into the middle of, of folks' homes and, and a lot of trailers too, which knocked their support levels off or support beams, whatever. Um, it, 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 and it sat and it sat and it sat and it just started to recede over the weekend. So you, you think about all that really heavy, dirty water just sitting on all your stuff soaking in and it's, it's really, really awful. And that you would consider a total loss. Some things you can hose off and dry clean, some things you can't. And that, you know, that, that backwater sitting for days at a time, you, that's, that ruins everything. And it's unsafe, you know, there's mold and tons of germs and bacteria and all kinds of stuff. Seem like seem like kind of Morgan Breathitt area. That's kind of the hardest hit. It's just from reading the news. You have any idea? Uh, the Breathitt County Hunger Alliance is is working twenty four seven right now, trying to just get uh, cleaning supplies and food and and everything out to everybody. They had such a they same thing as Martin County. They had so much total loss of 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 homes and cars and and supplies and garages with people's tools and livelihoods in them. You know, just just wiped it out. Uh, and, and and even floods are so bad because even when it doesn't like physically destroy, you know, especially like a home, that water gets into those joists and stuff. And you're, you're the house, even if it didn't fall down because of the flood, it's going to get condemned because it's it's either the, the, the joists and the and the framing is going to be weakened or there's going to be molding issues. It's going to make it un, unhealthy to live in. It's just it's there's so many ways that 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 flood can damage and destroy your home. Right. And that's, you know, and if you live uh, in a, in a trailer, especially and your home is on, you know, like just the, the, the prop for the trailer, uh, you know, that water rushing in, that can be extremely dangerous just for you to even be in there any longer once it knocks some of those loose. Now, the, the, and what's so um, concerning to me, sorry, Trey, okay. what's so concerning to me is, you know, flood insurance is a, se- it's always a separate jam when it, when it comes to insurance. And so, I, what's your, what are you hearing down there? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming many of these people did not have flood insurance, right? So this right. is just, there isn't going to be any help. Right. There's not going to be, you know, the, the, the great big state farm or Geico write-off or umbrella, whoever insurance write-offs, that's not going to happen. Uh, first of all, these folks live in places that the water might get up in the spring, but nothing like this, of course. And right. second of all, that's expensive. It's you very know, expensive. Flood expense insurance is expensive. I live in a in a part of Frankfurt that part of the neighborhood is on the river, and you have to have flood insurance. Right. Uh, I used to live on the river years ago. We had to have flood insurance, and it's tremendously expensive. People can't afford that. This is a really poor right. area without these kind of things happening over and over again. Uh, so so yeah, if you can just barely afford your water bill or your, you know, keep your lots on flood insurance, it, no, <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's, Devastating. let's, so this is a, you know, nominally a, a show about politics. So let's kind of transition into that just a little bit. And, you know, this is not the first time this happens in East Kentucky. You know, a lot of East Kentuckians are kind of used to it. Uh, and, you know, you can't blame politicians for everything. There's the fact, the matter is there's lots of hills and hollers in East Kentucky that that leads to flooding. There are some infrastructure issues, however, that, that, that lead to some of this. And, you know, East Kentucky is, is notoriously uh, behind on, on infrastructure projects. You can, you can assign blame to many number of people at the state, federal and local levels on it. But yeah, how much of the, of the recent flooding do you think is just the geography of East Kentucky and, and how much of it do you think might've been at least pseudo preventable uh, with, with the infrastructure investment? 
you know, that's a that's a really good. Question. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I'm not I'm not expecting you to like you know have a have, have an Army Corps, Corps engineer uh, answer for me here. Just uh, you know, kind of kind of from your from your view as somebody on the ground. You know, I'm, I mean, because the, you know, there, there's the places there that you, you just know. Hey, every if there's a big rain or big snow, this place is going to flood when it melts. Like, you, you, you know, if you're from out there, you know that part. So, you right. know, it, 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 it's, it's, is most of the flooding we're seeing those areas where you, you just, the people that live there know to expect a flood or is, is this, or is this flooding in some areas that uh, it's, it's a little bit different this time or, you know, there, there's some infrastructure issues to blame? I think there's always infrastructure issues to blame anywhere in, in Eastern Kentucky and, and probably uh, well, for, 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 for every problem, by the way, not just flooding. <laughs> right. Everything. Uh, I, I think, um, and, and, and a lot of Appalachia too, not just Eastern yeah. Kentucky, but let's focus. Um, so when I was out there this weekend, uh, we went to my, my dad's house is very rural <clears throat> and we went out there and then to the firehouse where we dropped off the supplies. Uh, and we went on, uh, US 23 and then Route 3. But even, and those are both big, new, nice, you know, four yeah. lane roads. Even to get there, though, you still have to hop off Route 3 and get on Milo Road, which is tiny. And, and there were huge, big parts of it on the way in where the road is literally falling off and, and it's down to one lane, but there's nobody there flagging traffic. It's just one lane, use your common sense and don't hit anybody coming. Uh, and then when we left, um, we, we left on Route 40, which is a nightmare of a road. You, you cross two literal mountains to get to town on it, Spicy Hill and Two Mile Hill. And uh, there, I mean, there were, there were, you know, quarter mile sections of the road that you cannot drive on. You, you cannot do it. The roads are literally falling off of the mountains. They are falling off the damn mountains. And, and you think about that. And they're dark. You know, the sun doesn't shine on them half the time. So they're always icy in the winter. And people fuss about the kids not ever going to school out there. They can't go to school because the buses cannot get to their houses and their parents can't get out of their driveways. I cannot tell you how many bridges we saw washed out. That was a big holdup for us even going to visit besides COVID was uh, my dad's bridge got covered and we weren't sure if it was still there. And then we had to figure out if it was still safe, you know, because the water had hit it so hard. Fortunately it was, but a lot of people's bridges were totally gone. So they're still pinned in, you know, uh, I talked to these wonderful folks at the Martin County or at the Tomahawk Volunteer Fire Department, and they had been using their own personal four-wheelers and side-by-sides to go over mountains to get to people who needed medicine, who had to get to town for dialysis or insulin. And they're just, you know, you just, there is a lack of leadership uh, on, on local, state, and federal levels in, in Eastern Kentucky. I'm really confident in saying that. Uh, local governments are proud and they're afraid to ask state leadership for help. I'm not sure what's going on with federal leadership. We'll save that for another episode. It doesn't seem to me like there is any at all. Um, but but in these real small counties, especially like Martin and, and Estill County where it's poor and nobody's paying attention. You know, we're not paintsful with a good football team. We're not pipeful with a new distillery. This is, this is forgotten about completely. And, uh, you know, it's church ladies and, and community members that get everything done and their husbands get on their four wheelers and take bread and milk to whoever they can and literally crossing mountains to make sure people have food. There, there's no leadership. And, 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 and the newspapers are, are the only ones holding leadership's feet to the fire. That's I've, it. Been, I've been down in Leslie County immediately post some you know pretty big snows and rains. And yeah, I mean, you, you see, 
you know, it, it doesn't even have to be flooding to have to have roads get washed out and right. and, and become impassable. Just you know, a, a hard rain that doesn't necessarily flood will come down. Come down, especially if it's a hard, quick rain. It'll you know, it'll wash wash roads out, uh, wash wash debris down off the side of the mountain, down onto the road, make them impassable. It's it, right. you know, it, it, it doesn't have to be a flood to, to 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 take out and make make transportation and travel in East Kentucky impassable. And, and just the weather, you know, just yeah. when, when the roads are wet and it's icy, those roads are dark. You you can't drive on them. You cannot, or you will have a bad crash. Um, on top it, of road problems, right? You also have serious um, issues with water. I mean, we know about <laughs> the Martin County water uh, problem. And this is, you know, clean water becomes an even bigger issue during flooding there, um, there's and electricity. Right. The, the water thing is, is almost like a joke. It was funny back there in the ice storm, my dad and so many others got uh, pinned in with, with no, with no electricity. Right. And that's bad enough. He was lucky that he could get to town and stay with some people. He had money for a hotel room, whatever. A lot of people do not. Um, once the electric was back on, the water wasn't on, of course, because the substations were flooded. They were overpowered. They hit part of one of the big pipes, as I understand, had washed out of the side of the road. So it, it, it broke when it washed out. But the no water thing is it's almost like a joke now. N nobody takes it lightly, but like people are like, oh, no, they still don't have water. And the folks that live there are like, well, we never have water. <laughs> what are talking about? Of course we don't have water. Uh and that's, you know, that's, that's just, it's, it's almost endemic at this point. And I think there are decades and decades of local government uh, malfeasance to blame that one on. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we always shameful. talk about on here that, you know, I, I've spent a lot of time over the years reading coal severance budgets and it's just, it's, it's, it's shameful the way that those coal severance budgets were used for so many years. You, you look at them and it's, and it's $10,000 to this little league and $5,000 to this veterans center and, you know, whatever. And other, other counties, you know, it's $450,000, this water project, you know, $300,000 to this, but yeah. so much of, of far, far East, you know, you're, you, you just got, it was used as political patronage for so many years. And, and yeah. instead of being four big projects, it was, you know, a hundred small patronage things and and that money's never coming back that cold, cold severance is never coming back to where it was nope. and you're gonna have to find that revenue somewhere else to do it and it's it's just it's a shame that money got wasted for all those years i believe the previous county judge executive over and on is uh spent a huge money bunch of that cold severance money on his driveway <clears throat> that was that was a great project for us to pay for well, I'm, I, I mean the, 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 one, the one the one the one i always point to is uh floyd county the cold severance budget that greg stumbo wrote i mean it, it, it every year it was it was 150 five five thousand and ten thousand dollar handouts to animal shelters uh vfws little leagues you know you name the small little small little patronage project the, the floyd county cold severance budget was 100 percent spent on on that it wasn't it wasn't spent been on on roads or bridges or, or sewers or anything it was it was just pissed away on little projects and you know you, it, it's always interesting to read cold severance budgets because the senator gets to write a little bit of it the representative gets to write a little bit of it and then the, the county judge gets gets a little bit and they can agree and they can all spend their money together to to, to do a big project or they can kind of you know parse it out it's it's always interesting to me to read county by county those those cold severance budgets to see how that money's getting getting chopped up sure it's it's a it's it's and those are worthwhile projects. Don't get me wrong. The Little League team deserves New Jersey's and the, the, the VFW, you know, deserves new whatever it is they need inside their facility. It's it's it, it's so hard because you don't want to pit one thing against the other. Yeah. 
And I, I, I try really hard with that. I, I, I work with, with, I'm a writer for a, for a nonprofit and we, we work on, on uh, housing issues and uh, you know, people are like, Oh, but you're taking money away from this and this. And it's like, no, we don't want to pit anybody against anybody. And Eastern Kentucky is the same way. We don't want to, you know, discount the little league teams or the elementary school playground or whatever, but like we, water and it's, internet. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the, it's the nice versus the need. You right. know, the, the nice good, versus the need. Yeah, it's, it's just until you can get the need all taken care of, it, you gotta you gotta put the nice to the side. You know, right. I mean, I you know when I was at the Courier Journal, I did a big uh, winter evergreen story on um, you know the fact that so many people in Eastern Kentucky still have their waters trucked in and and and, mm-hmm. and stored in um, cisterns, and and it's like in and we're still there, and so it's it's not that those other things aren't worthy; it's that you know, the people who, this is a 21st century. And if you want to talk about job creation, you know, we can throw all the tax incentives and tax credits. Here I go again, railing about tax incentives. Uh, but you can throw all that stuff at, that you want at, at Amazon and, and this industrial park, but you know, UK and other economic sti- uh, studies have consistently found that if you don't have the basic infrastructure, then you're not going to drive real, sustainable economic development right and so you know addressing these things i just i, I can't understand it because it's the ticket it's my husband likes to use the ter- the fur the, the phrase gating item is in construction it's the gating item and until you fix that you know some of these other things won't and i know trey you wanted to talk about your your uh, interest in the highways and uh, yeah. what that could bring yeah you know i mean and I think you know, we can we can pull it back to where we are on uh, on the legislature right now. There's there's currently a bill that would uh, say with me, course, modernize the road funding formula. Something I talk about repeatedly on here. Not raise the gas tax. Modernize the road funding formula. Uh, as I've say repeatedly, I have listened to all the committee hearings from 1980 when they passed the road the road bill that we're currently working under, and it it's based on the assumption of 10 miles to the gallon, and cars just don't do they don't get that anymore they they're getting 30 40 miles a gallon not to mention hybrids and electrics and it has left our infrastructure woefully behind and, and i'm one who continues to believe you know I, i'm born in kentucky uh i am a kentuckian but i grew up in virginia and the, the defining difference between southwestern virginia and eastern kentucky there's there's very little difference between them geographically culturally the difference is i-81 I-81 was built and they were able to get things like the Echo Star plant in Radford and other infrastructure, uh, other uh, rather major job projects. You can build all the industrial parks you want until you have an interstate that not only can get the goods that you produce to market, but allows people to want to move from out of state to live in an area to where they can easily get to amenities in Lexington or Knoxville or the Tri-Cities or or, or Roanoke or wherever, you're, you're just, you're not going to attract the jobs. The, the, the game changer, the game changer for East Kentucky and the only game changer that's available is to build I-66, to build the inner long proposed, Greg Stumbo and, and Hal Rogers have both proposed it, to build that connector that would that would connect either 64 or 75, depending on where you want to start it at, that would connect those to I-81 across the border in Virginia. That is the only game changer available for East Kentucky, and it's and it's going to be a probably four to five billion dollar project, because you're going to have to blast through and under and around mountains to get it done. And that requires money. And without modernizing our road funding formula, we're not going to build 
build a new a new bridge across the Ohio up in up in Cincinnati. That's you know that's t- anywhere from two to four billion, depending on who you're talking to. And you're not going to have the billion dollars to build the bridge uh, that they need from from Evansville to Henderson. You're not going to have a couple hundred million to to build, refurb, and keep up the the bridge going from Paducah over to Illinois. And you're certainly not going to have four to five billion dollars to build a, a new interstate connecting. Uh, 6475 to I-81, which will revolutionize and save East Kentucky. I, you know, I, I just, I firmly believe that until you can build that interstate, East Kentucky's gonna gonna continue to lag behind. They they need that infrastructure investment, and we have to modernize our road funding formula to get it done. I agree. Uh, I, I the road system and the road situation is is always, you know, you can't. And and it's interesting because the people that I talk to. Uh, no matter you know what side of the <clears throat> proverbial aisle they like to stand on, everybody agrees that there's no access and there's no internet. You know, internet should be a basic commodity at this point, uh, and it's not. You know, you got people running internet through their satellite dishes, and some people still have dial-up, and it's it's just awful. Uh, there's a group that got over, and I can't remember if it's the east or the west half of Johnson County, but they put together a co-op. So they could control, you know, all the aspects of, of, of broadband and the cost and everything. And they've got some of the best internet in Eastern Kentucky, uh, but the other half of Johnson County, theirs is terrible, you know, and it cuts out and you have to restart and reboot all the time. So it's just, there's, there's no, there's no control over it. There's no, uh, nothing steady, nothing's even. It just, it's just county by county and in some parts of the county in the rural, real backwards parts, there's just, there's. There's none. Oh, you know, to, it's not even that it's bad. There's just none. To be fair, we, we talked about last podcast. Part of that's we're, I mean, the Bashir administration is so woefully botched that entire thing. We're the only state in the entire country without it, without a, uh, a comprehensive broadband plan. We're the only state in the country. Sorry, us in Mississippi don't have comprehensive broadband plans. We're the only state in the country that has not used a dime of COVID cares money to, to invest in, in uh, broadband, I think that flows from the fact that we don't have a comprehensive plan. And then we are, are anybody who's who's applying to do something like build, like do the, do a co-op project, you get dinged on grant on grant applications. You get dinged points because uh, our state doesn't have a compre- comprehensive yeah, comprehensive plan. It's it's a it's a it's a mess. At the state level that's that's you know the local governments who are trying to do things on their own or, or fighting with one hand tied behind their back because the lack of a comprehensive plan is, is it it hurts our ability to get grants or other federal investment in. Right. And then that's, you know, circling back to when we first started talking, that's when it falls into just local folks, the church ladies and the community activists, uh, just trying to raise money and piece it together themselves because the government, you know, they can't stop fighting themselves. Yeah. And you can only do so much when when you can't, you know, you're you're starting off at negative however many points because you don't your state doesn't have this plan that the federal government wants when you apply for a grant. Like you could you could put together the best grant grant application in the world when you're starting off with negative points. It's 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 hard to get that money versus another state. Sure. Um, you know what what else do you just f- kind of from your your point of view keep keeping in mind, listeners? You know I'm I'm a conservative. She's a she's a liberal, but uh, so we're going to differ from time to time. But what else do you think can be done, um, especially you know kind of in the in the prism of where we are with COVID and everything else, which, you know, honestly it may present some opportunities because of extra, extra money that might be flowing in to be able to do some things that wouldn't normally be available, but also understanding the difficulties that that creates because of, because of where we're at and what's on the economy, you know, what, what else do you see as kind of low hanging fruit that could be taken care of that could help East Kentucky coming out of the flood, coming out of COVID, uh, you know, what, what else do you see, especially like low hanging fruit that could be done quickly and to, to, 
to make a real difference. This this sounds small, and I, and I, and I, I, I wish we could do like a part two of this. Uh, so there's people. God, people are so poor. I mean, they're they're poor, and they're not just like can't go on vacation this year. Poor people are poor. Yeah, like. like I, I, you know, when I do interviews and I write for my job, uh, I'm, I'm very like one of my, my number one lead offs is I will never, ever create poverty porn. I will not do it. I'm not doing the black and white photo with the Mountain Dew bottle on the front porch. And I'm not going to talk about how terrible everything is. Like, I will not do it. But some of these people like that's that's the reality is is the you know, like the movie scene poor. Like it's God, these people are poor. So I was working with this lady uh, back in, in Tomahawk about like, I've got a ton of money in a Venmo account that folks sent me to, to spend. I ran out of room in my Subaru for donations. So I've got all this money and I'm working with some school resource officers there at the Martin County Public Schools to figure out what, what should we spend this money on. And this young woman who's an incredible organizer there, she said, well, how about some air mattresses? Because so many people lost their mattresses and they're not safe to, to sleep back on, you know, with all the sediment and mold and stuff. That's such a quick fix that I think, you know, and I said, well, no, let's throw some money at this. We can find more money. Let's buy mattresses, you know, mattresses at Amazon warehouse or mattresses R us or whatever. They're $125 yep. a piece. We can get you a bed frame. Let's throw money at this and everybody gets a new bed that will last not a damn air mattress that's going to be good for four nights at best. And I think that when people think about donating supplies and the bleach and bags of dog food and socks and all that, that stuff is important. And it's, and I know this seems very small and trivial, but helping people refurnish their homes with stuff that's not just going to break over and over and they're going to have to keep replacing over and over, you know, let people get good furniture and appliances that work and cars that go and mattresses they can sleep on. Uh, it's expensive to be poor. Right? You know, a, a, a lot of it's, uh, I, you know, I always, of course, this is kind of, kind of, kind of the privilege that I have the lifestyle that I lead, but you know, I, I kind of compare it to, for, for people that don't get it, uh, you know, the, I think the best, the best comparison I can make is men's clothing, you know, men's clothing, just the way that the way that it's built, I can go out and buy, if I can afford to buy a pair of like $450 shoes, I'll wear that pair of shoes for 30 years because they're, they're well built. They're sturdy. They're going to hold up. I might, have, I might have to get them resold at some point. That's fine. But I'm going to be able to wear that, that pair of shoes until I probably don't need to wear dress shoes anymore. If I can't afford to buy the $450 pair of shoes during that same, the same lifespan of that one pair of shoes, I'm probably going to have to buy eight to nine pairs of $99 dress shoes. So like not being able to make that initial investment of 450 bucks for a really good pair of shoes is going to end up costing me an extra 650 over the long run of, of, of the same time period, because men, that's just the way men's clothing is made. You can buy really, you can buy a suit that's going to, you'll be able to run for 20 years or a Joseph A. Banks that the, the sleeves are going to, my dad, my dad told me a story one time about a guy had a Joseph A. Banks suit. The sleeve literally fell off during a meeting. <laughs> His sleeve just like flat fell off while they're, but that's, you know, so for some people, that's all you can afford. And it's it's the difference between you're, you're right. It, it, it's it's expensive. It, it costs a lot of money to be poor because you have to keep buying the same thing over and over again because you can't make that higher investment uh, initially. And so much to me, so much of what, what, what the problems with these Kentucky are, whether it's it's personal items like that or even infrastructure, you know, it, it's do, do we you know, do you invest the four billion dollars to build the interstate? Or do you over the over a 30 year period probably end up spending $10 billion on infrastructure and welfare and jobs programs and all this other stuff? You know, it's, it, it would be a cheaper investment 
if you could fork the money up up front to build the interstate over over 50 years it would save you money in the long run but we you know the problem is you don't have the money to make that initial investment so you end up costing more over the over, over the run it's just it's it's a, it's a catch 22 Right. Well, so yeah, that that was kind of the, where I was going to segue into is is I think in me people always want to buy stuff and like helping people have stuff that will help their homes be comfortable and help them not have to keep replacing mattresses and stuff like that. It that's that's number one. If you want to do that immediate ground boots on the ground kind of help is, is help people make investments in things that'll last and help their homes be comfortable and warm and safe. Right. But you can get a deal on some pillows from mypillows.com. Just there you saying. go. The my pillows guys <laughs> make a resurgence in Appalachia. I knew, it. I knew he'd come back. Uh, after that, I think I think there really needs to be a huge push on on state legislature uh, legislators to to talk about how we're spending money and what kind of policies that we're passing. They hurt people who are trying to find affordable housing. They hurt people who are trying to get health care. This is all extremely unhealthy, right? People aren't sleeping. They're breathing in mold and, and coal sludge. It's physical labor that they may not be able to do. And the mental the mental stress of all this, you know, is, is terrible. But if you don't have health care, you can't go to the doctor or, or just, you know, talk to a counselor once a week and try to decompress. And I, I really believe that passing policies that help people with affordable housing and safe, safe and clean fair, affordable housing and healthcare is, is, is important because nobody's going to be able to stay if, if they can't find places to live. And the, and the, the exodus, the mountain exodus is going to keep on happening. Um, I, I, I always point to the homeless situation in Lexington. You know, they, they, the city of Lexington invested heavily in building housing for the homeless and, and being able, cause every study has shown if you, it's so much cheaper to just build housing and give it to give it to, to, to people who are homeless because they're going to take pride in the property. They're going to, you, know, so you, you can, it's cheaper to keep up, uh, to upkeep a formerly blighted area town because they're going to have some pride in, in the property and, and, and studies have shown they're going to take care of it, uh, spend the time to take care of it. A, a, but also it, it cuts down the homeless issue. You, you, just, you don't spend as much money in the shelters. You have, you have less crime uh, from it. You know, a, every study has shown just building the house and giving them the keys is right. cheap is cheaper than than all these patchwork policies. Uh, right. And and I just I, I think there's a lot of stuff that we're spending money on at a state level that you know, let's let's like let's just start with this one county that can't get their water their centralized water station put it, it's like 14 million dollars or something I think was one audit like projection of how much it would cost. 14 million dollars. That's not that much money, right? We can we can fix that, uh, and then and then move on to making sure everybody's got internet. And I just I would love to see a, a shuffle of of state funds and federal funds spent on on fixing these massive problems since local government is clearly not going to do it. I, I feel like so often, and this is this is Republican and Democrat, and it's 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 local issues, it's federal issues. You know, you can look at our entire healthcare system, regardless of what you think it needs to look like, whether it's free market or single payer or whatever. You know, the systems that we have in place for so much of government is just it's patchwork it's it's we have a system but we don't want to take make the big bold move to scrap what we had and, and build something new so instead we just slap these band-aids and quick fixes on stuff and eventually you, it, it all piles up on top of each other and the system just it doesn't function because you you you're you keep patching a a, a bad system you know if you if you got a house that's halfway falling down you know it's better to just tear the thing down and build a new one it, it it's it, it, there's no sense in just 
you know, put a new coat of paint and some 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 Bondo on it. it it's it's not it's not going to hold. You're going to have to keep repairing it. Right. And too much and too much of the problem is, you know, this notion that uh, too many people on um, the right perpetuate and the left have allowed this narrative to be perpetuated that if you give somebody a housing, if you give them a bed, then there won't be any reason for them to want to work. And I, <laughs> we're seeing more and more. I mean, you know, the, the, the former mayor of Sacramento, he did this experiment with um, a private foundation where they gave people a basic um, guaranteed uh, income. And uh, it didn't draw people away from wanting to work. People want to work. Americans want to work. Um, and, and that, but that narrative of the lazy mailbox, you know, mailbox economy, uh, economy these people, like, that's just not, I mean, but they're just struggling to survive right now. Right. If there was, you know, and, and I see so much of it, you know, I'm from Appalachia, Pennsylvania, and I still have a lot of family up there and, and you hear this narrative and they pit it on each other. Right. Like, right. like my dad yesterday is on, my dad lives in a mobile home. Okay. And, and he's talking about, you know, the unemployment checks that are going to go out and then nobody's going to want to work. And I'm like, I mean, and so some of it is, is a big problem. That's that narrative that, that if we give people any sort of help, that it's a handout and they will never want to work. And don't, I think that's a huge problem. Don't forget on the UBI who, who the first person pushing that was, was the godfather of of free market economics is Milton Friedman. You know, I, I, I've become more and more uh, uh, interested in, in UBI. Now, the issue is I think Democrats wouldn't want to do what you have to do to actually make the UBI really, truly work, which is, you know, you, you, you get rid of all the other various welfare programs. You know, you're, you're, you're getting the UBI and that's the, that's the check you get. You don't get all this other stuff. You know, I don't think you include healthcare in there necessarily, but you know, a lot of the other aid and assistance programs, it's just everybody gets their check and, and we go. Uh, but that's also a problem with Republicans with tax. You know, we both we both have our issues. Nobody nobody ever wants to go wants to go full Monty on it. You know, Republicans want to have the yeah. tax cuts, but they don't want to cut the spending, and uh, Democrats want to go towards stuff like UBI, but they don't want to cut off the benefits on the other side too. That that would that would make it work financially. But you know, I'm I'm in, I'm interested in a, in a program like that where instead of you know you have to qualify for this and and a check for that, and you get you know and all these different things. Screw it, everybody gets a check fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. And then and, and we'll it, it cut down on bureaucracy and make bureaucracy cost so much less, uh, yeah. which would save government money. Yeah, you know, a, a conservative should be a fan of it because it, now it's it's truly free market. We're not directing you. You know, you have to spend the money here or this, that or the right. other. You're getting your check and you're going. And and if you if you waste your money on that and you still need help, well, there's charities and stuff that can help with that. But, you know, somebody's going to look at you eventually and say, well, we gave you a check. What the hell did you do with it? And they found <laughs> and they found in Sacramento, in fact, a couple of things that it, it they saw an improvement in people's mental and physical health because they had less stress, less anxiety, less depression, worrying about how they were going to uh, meet their basic survival needs. But they also found that people used that money to help each other. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, maybe I didn't necessarily need that check, but my cousin needed it. So I'm going to give, you know you know, her $250 loan because she needs a new battery in her car, that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, we've got to get away from this and, and this this punitive. I mean, there's some bills floating in the legislature that are just cruel, you know, this the, the cruelty is the point. There's one bill that's going through that would um, 
penalize uh, people who don't pay child support by taking away um, food stamps. Food stamps. Now, a lot of those, if, <laughs> I mean, if I have kids in my household, uh, now I'm just punitive against those kids. Yeah, the, 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 those by are... the way, how does that help me pay my child support <laughs> if I've now got to spend that money to buy food. And it hurts children. That hurts It hurts family. children. That's a, that's, terrible yeah, that's the thing that's about, a, like, and, 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 the, and, the, and the drug testing for welfare, you know, it's like, I, I, I'm for the thought behind it, but, like, the kids can't stop their parents from doing drugs, and they're oh. going to be the ones that are going to lose the, the economic benefits. But, all right, well, we've run a little bit longer what, what we were supposed to do, but I, I feel like we had, a, we had a good talk about the some of the systemic issues in East Kentucky and how people can, I guess let's, okay. If you want to go once again, kind of rattle off those charities again for, sure. for people. Sure. Sure. So um, Appalachian reach out is ARO it's in Martin County. Um, Breathitt County hunger Alliance is a good one. They're working really, really hard. Uh, Christian Appalachian project are decades old and always good stewards of money. Um, I did uh, Johnson County long-term recovery is a good one over in Paintsville. Uh, and I encourage everybody to always subscribe to your local newspapers. I, I cannot sing the praises of the Mountain Citizen over in Inez enough. Their staff is incredible. And, and Martin County would not have gotten emergency status without that newspaper. They would not have gotten it if the, if the newspaper had not held the local leadership's feet to the fire. I'm really proud of them. Uh, Aspire Appalachia is a good one. Uh, those off the top of my head and, 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 uh, those are suggestions from some of my friends from those counties. Those are, those are good ones. They're, they're vetted and they're, and they're, you know, there's no funny business going on. Those aren't out to make money. They're there to put all the funds into the communities. And, and don't, and don't forget, uh, as well, feeding, feedingky.org. That's kind of the, the overarching, you know, when, when Commissioner Quarles took over, you know, I, I was with him and kind of trying to rein in and, and direct in a more, more united fashion the efforts of food banks was one of his things that we he talked about in the campaign trial actually after we met with how rogers and how was talking about hunger issues in east kentucky to us in his office and when we left the meeting ryan said we, there's got to be something that can be done to better direct this stuff so you know if 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 you for whatever reason don't want to do something directly towards east kentucky feed, if, feeding ky feed the feeding kentucky group uh they're they're good statewide and you know there's and there's still there's still flooding issues that are going to be coming down the pipe out in west kentucky you know that's where i'm from uh when it floods in east kentucky guess what it, it's eventually going to flood in west kentucky because all that water's got to go somewhere as it receives right. <laughs> and it, right. it, it, it ends up in paducah flooding <laughs> flooding the streets out there and uh so, uh, yeah, the, I guess I, I make another pitch, too, for the uh, for the uh, hunger initiative that uh, is run out of the commissioner's office as well. Uh, that's 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 doing good work. Uh, but uh, Katie Mueller, thanks for coming on with us and uh, talking me. some Thank East Kentucky you. issues. Yeah. Anytime. Anytime. I'm going back in a couple of weeks with more to do more and work on some more projects. So I'd be happy to give you an update when I return from that one. Absolutely. And uh, as always, you can get us wherever you stream podcasts. If you get on on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to give us a review. That helps with the, with the metrics and whatnot. And uh, we'll be back with you on Thursday on another Kentucky Politics Weekly. <laughs>